Starwalker Studios presents Planeswalkers of Nyx, the Magic the Gathering podcast for the rest of us. And welcome to the sixth episode of Planeswalkers of Nyx, a casual podcast for all those who play and love Magic the Gathering. I'm your host, Nikki Starwalker, a tragically heroic pink planeswalker. And I'm like Starwalker, a manipulative, bruised planeswalker. Ooh, <laughs> we've got a great show for you today. So pour yourself a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy the sixth episode of Planeswalkers of Nyx. What manner of man are you that can summon up fire without flint or tinder? I am an enchanter. By what name are you known? There are some who call me... Tim? All right, Lex. You know what time it is. It's time to talk about what we've been up to in magic this week and uh, I guess the last three weeks or so. Yeah, it's it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a little while, but I'm really glad that we're back now. Um, I felt a little odd not doing the show for so long, but we've been pretty busy, unfortunately, and I know you've got your podcast, GM Intrusions, that you've been working on. Yeah, my, my other podcast. That's right. <laughs> So I have been doing a few things um, way back when, after the fifth episode, we played a game of Magic, and I played this old mono black deck that I found that I'm thinking you put together way back when, and it was filled with vampires and ways to dig things up out of the graveyard, and I thought, here's a really fun deck, it's kind of themed, you know? And I could have a blast with it. I lost three times to you. <laughs> Do you remember what I was playing? No, I think it was green something. Oh, you know, I think every time I played a different deck. Yeah, that's I? right. You were trying out all the decks that we have. Yeah, we have all these decks. Um, and they're not even super old because at, at some point when I took a break from magic, I, I sold or gave away all of my magic cards, which... Um, it's really too bad because I had alphas and betas and, oh, man. um, really old cards, uh, that I probably got totally taken. Mm -hmm. Um, but we, we started playing, well, I started playing with you, what, a couple years ago. We yeah. played for a while and then we, we stopped. And then I had been playing with friends a few years before that. So I have all these decks that, um, a lot of them are pre-constructed decks okay. that I bought either years ago when I was playing with my friends, which I think was about the time of Fifth Dawn. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the Mirrodin, I think there's been more than one Mirrodin blocks, but it but okay. it was one of the Mirrodin blocks. Um, so I have decks from back then. And then I have decks 
that that we got a few years ago when we played for a while. Yeah. That was was that new Phyrexia? I don't even remember what it those might sets have been. were because yeah. we didn't really like those sets, and that's why we we kind of played for like a summer, mm-hmm. and then we kind of phased out because the the sets just weren't doing it for us. The right. cards that were out at that time. Yeah. So anyway, we've got all these decks now. And, um, it's been long enough that I don't even remember what the hell they are and they're not in the original packaging. So I, I started this project of, I wanted to play all of these decks and figure out if there are certain ones that I didn't really like and we could just take apart or if Mm -hmm. I wanted to keep certain ones. So I was playing a lot of those. So I think you were playing that one black deck and then I played, I'm trying to remember. I think I played a, a blue red deck against you and a green white and a green red. I, I don't remember That's what right. all, but yeah. And see, in that situation, I should really have the advantage because here I am playing the same deck over and over. I get to know what's in the deck and <laughs> no such luck. Yeah. Well, yeah. And unfortunately, I don't, I'm not even sure like what sets these, these cards were from. I mean, I could figure it out if I really wanted to, but, um, so it could have been a thing of just they weren't good matchups because sometimes a given set doesn't play well against another given set if they're right. not from the same block. Um, I don't know. And, and I do, I have a lot more experience with magic than you do. And I, I try to give you some handicaps. Like I, I try to let you <laughs> always decide if you want to play first or not, which really, I don't know if that's even really a handicap because I don't know. It doesn't seem like it really makes that big of a difference. Um, but yeah, yeah, you weren't having much luck with that, no. that black deck. And <laughs> it kind of surprised me because I was playing two color decks and, and I always thought that a, that a one color deck that was well put together would usually be a two color deck that was well put together. Mm-hmm. But I guess maybe that was true in the early days of magic, but it doesn't seem to be true anymore because, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't think I would have won all of those games if the decks I was playing weren't at least at the same power level, if not slightly more powerful. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But I don't think you should give me handicaps. I mean, come on. (laughs) I want, like, the full experience. (laughs) Yeah, but if every time we play Magic you lose, then you're going to get discouraged and you're not going to want to play anymore. No, I already... It's to my benefit to to, uh, keep you you interested. I see. So I have someone to play against without having to go out into the world and and find more people to play with, play with strangers. <laughs> I see, but I want to assure you that I'm hooked, okay? I, I will be playing Magic. You don't have to worry about if I keep losing. I'm Sometimes I'm kind of the person that even if I do keep losing, it just makes me push harder. So. Okay. Keep that in mind. Right. <laughs> and then we got the Born of the Gods intro pack. Um, today or two intro packs and the by today, I mean yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Intro, intro decks. I um, actually, I'm not, I don't remember what the term is here. You got the thing is what, what do they call these things? I'm, I'm pretty sure it's intro pack, but I don't right. Know. Because that makes sense. Cause <laughs> well, it's a pack. It's not, a, wait, no, I it's thought a deck. it. No, well, I'm, I'm not saying oh, you're wrong. Okay. I'm just saying that, that, that that's not a great name. Yeah. No, I agree with you, but we've, we've talked about the naming conventions they have yeah. over there. Wizards, it's sometimes a little odd. Um, sometimes. <laughs> okay, usually. <laughs> spin counter. <laughs> um, no, no, the spin okay, counter. Okay, that makes sense. That, that right. turned out to make sense. That's right. And I still love them more than the 20-sided one in playing Magic. 
So I got uh, the Forged in Battle intro pack, intro deck, whatever you want to call it. And it's red and white. And I thought I'd really love it because it would be fast-paced aggro deck. And I like how red and white work together. But the reason that I said tragically heroic in my intro is because I was... I, I shouldn't have been surprised, but I was disappointed to find out that it was very heavily relied on the heroic um, dynamic, yeah. I guess. So, and I'm not a huge heroic fan. So, yeah, yeah. and you know, we we only played those decks twice. Yeah, um, and I'm not a huge heroic fan either. I think we've talked about it on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, not a fan. I'm not saying that it's not a viable thing. No. It's just not my, like, I don't want to play heroic deck. I right. just, it's not fun to me. Um, I love tribute. I think tribute is the most fun mechanic from yeah, Born of the Gods. Definitely. Um, and inspired is kind of cool too. Um, my deck that, that I got, uh, is the blue black deck and mm-hmm. it, it makes heavy, heavy use of the inspired and, um, until I played that deck, I wasn't that impressed with inspired. Like I was like, ah, it's okay, but. You okay. know, whatever. It, it, I wasn't really taken by it. Okay. But um, that deck is is pretty cool because I know one of the games, I had like three or four creatures mm-hmm. that had inspired that I was able to attack with every turn. And you you either weren't able to block them or you weren't able to kill them. So every turn I was untapping three or four creatures with inspired and getting all these effects from the inspired it, it makes the untap phase of your turn a lot of fun <laughs> that's what inspired's all about right just as a reminder it's about yeah okay yeah I, inspired is confused. when when the creature untaps mm-hmm. something cool happens they have an inspired ability like okay. um one of one of the ones i had which is the what i call the poster child of the deck which is the foil um, I, I can't remember the exact name of the card, but it's a it's a, a phoenix. Okay, herb. you could actually find out. It's right here. But um, it, it's inspired ability. I actually, I'm pretty sure I talked about it on the last episode because it was the same card that I had in my deck when we did the uh, two headed giant born of the gods with the lady planeswalkers. Oh right. And um, this card, when it untaps. The inspired ability is you get a look at the top card of your library, mm-hmm. and if it's, I believe, a land, a creature, or an artifact, I think, you get to put it in the play for free. Oh, cool. So that guy was untapping every mm-hmm. turn. And then I, I had another one that made you discard a card, and then you had to put the top card of your library into your graveyard. Yeah. And that was happening. And I can't remember what the other one or two were, but it, it was... It was pretty cool. It, when when you have a few inspired creatures and you're able to get those abilities going off, it mm-hmm. it can really change the game. I, I was impressed. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting to watch, but not fun to play against. <laughs> yeah, well, blue-black, it was like the ultimate control deck. Like, right. Now, now, I didn't have any, any kind of like counterspell or anything like that, but, mm-hmm. but it was definitely about kind of controlling... Um, what you could do and and big creatures that you couldn't kill. Yeah, which exactly. which is pretty fun because you were playing red and white, mm-hmm. so it was kind of like I was saying yesterday is like you were on one end of the control versus aggro spectrum, and I was mm-hmm. at the other end, and right. so it it was pretty interesting matchup. And the reason I was disappointed on my end was I didn't have enough triggers for all these heroic abilities, so I feel like I could have put up a better fight. Maybe yeah. it was just my hand. 
but I, I looked yeah, through I and I didn't see many triggers. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck was up with that deck because I thought that every time I played against you, yeah, um, you had all these heroic creatures out and you didn't have hardly any spells that, that targeted them. I, right. you, you played a few instants here and there, but I mean, the balance of heroic versus heroic creatures versus heroic enablers seemed way, way off. Yeah, it did. So I don't know what the hell was going on when, when that deck was put together. And <laughs> unless they intentionally make these decks kind of fucked so that you have to swap cards out to really make them do what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. But like my deck, you know, you, after two games, you were ready to start throwing cards out and bringing other cards in. And, yeah, I was. And I was kind of like, well, I'm, I'm willing to play my deck a couple more times and, mm-hmm. and get a feel for what I want to get rid of because my deck seemed to be doing what it what it was designed to do, but yours was just like Yeah, and again we only played twice. So fundamentally was, flawed. That's yes. that's the phrase I'm looking for. Your deck was fundamentally flawed, it seemed like. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, we played twice and you won one and and, and I won one. Yeah. And and the one that you won, that was that was an interesting game because that like it kind of showed the aggro versus the control deck like mm-hmm. perfectly because you started out, you got a lot of stuff out and you got me down to like four life in what it was like, what was like four or five turns, right? I think it was three or four, honestly. I think it was. Well, even I know that I had two or three cards in my hand that required six mana. Okay. To, to play and okay. I never missed a land drop. And so when I got that six, that six land down mm-hmm. and was able to play my first six drop. Um, I was at four life at that point and you were at like more than 20, like 26 or something. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I ended up winning, winning that game. Cause once I had six mana, like I was just playing these big, huge creatures that you couldn't deal with. Yeah. And I played the, uh, the one spell. Is it Thassa's bounty that lets you draw three cards? Oh, um, wow. You yeah. had that in that deck? I forgot that card. Yeah, it, it got pretty sick pretty quick. But but it was cool because it kind of showed it's like the aggro deck wants to kill you like really fast. And it's like, yeah, if you're playing an aggro deck versus a control deck and you let it get to turn six, like you're kind of in dangerous territory. Because <laughs> yeah. that's when the control deck starts to like whip out its big guns. And right. Do what it does. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I learned that lesson <laughs> a little too late. Yeah. <laughs> But that's all right. But then the next game, um, you you beat me, um, and I'm trying to remember how that how that went down. It wasn't quite as memorable because I yeah. remember the first one better too. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, that was a thing where where you were able, you know, you kind of my deck kind of gives you three four turns mm-hmm. before my deck really starts to do much, and you were able to do enough damage during that time that by the time I could start getting stuff out, it just like, I, I couldn't keep up. And yeah. And, um, I actually, I, I remember now I helped you out a little bit within that game because you you were making a very common mistake that newer players make, which was you were being too cautious and not aggressive enough, especially Mm -hmm. playing an aggro deck. And, and I kind of had to show you, you know, look, you have more creatures than me. And even though mine are bigger, um, you still want to attack with everything. Yeah, you're going to lose a creature or two, but you're going to be doing a little bit of damage to me. And at that point, you had me at like seven life. And so you were able to attack with everything. And I would block 
you know, all of your creatures, but one or two and maybe kill one of your or two of your creatures, Mm -hmm. but you would do a a few damage. And then the next turn you would be able to summon another creature or two. And you, you just kept doing that every turn. And over like three turns, you, you whittled me down. Right. (laughs) So did, did that feel like a level up moment? For you, or are you still well, are you still going to be feel... the ca- cautious noob? <laughs> no, <laughs> I feel like I already knew that. Like I understood that before we played that game, that strategy. But um, but you're right. I mean, I guess I just wasn't paying enough attention at that point in that game to to say, okay, well, mathematically, I should just get to, get them down from, what was it, seven or eight to five, and then to three, and then, you know, just right. keep bumping you down. So, yeah, I guess a little bit of a level up moment, knowing that, okay, it might take a few rounds, you're not going to kill them right away now, but that's that's okay, you know, so. Well, I predict that your next level up will involve combat math. Because, you <laughs> Probably. Know, may, maybe this is an opportunity for a teaching moment for the uh. listener. If, if our listener is, uh, maybe a newer player too. Yeah. Um, because you, what, one of your things and one of your reasons that, that you didn't want to attack with everything was you didn't really know what was going to happen because you're unwilling or unable to, to do the math, the combat math in your head and say, okay, if I attack with these, he's going to block with those and, and be able to kind of, figure out what what the end result would be and because you you were doing that thing that people do a lot of times with math is like you know like for instance if i show you the quadratic formula you know you just see all these numbers and symbols and your brain kind of just shuts down and you're just like i don't understand this this is too complex and (laughs) and you just you know that's Mm -hmm. the end of it but if you know, one of the tricks is, is if you look at that formula and you start to break it down into its little parts, well, each of those little parts you can't understand. So if you take the time to do that, a lot of times you figure out, oh, it's not really as complicated as I thought. And I really can understand this. And, and that's kind of what was going on with that because it was like, yeah, there were a lot of creatures in play and there were a lot of numbers to juggle around. But if you just looked at it like I have three creatures that can block and you have six creatures that can attack. Right. You know, and just disregard the power and toughness and just simplify it to, well, the most I can do is block three of them and three of yours are going to get through. And assuming I block your biggest creatures, how much damage do your three smallest creatures do? And it's like, oh, well, they do three damage and he has seven life. So that means I'll bring him down to four and I'll still next round, even if he kills a few of my creatures, I'll still have more creatures, you know, than him. Yeah. And then maybe next round I can do two damage. And so, you know, you don't necessarily have to do all the math to, to get a feel for, okay, I should really just attack with everything. And as long as I draw some more creatures to summon and I can keep this going, I'm going to, you know, beat him down in a couple rounds. So, yeah, yeah. Way to call me out. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, I'm, I'm like just... shamefully bad at math, but it's true that it's probably much easier than I make it out to be. I just well, yeah. turn away from it. Your, your like, problem oh God, is actually what you just said. Yeah. You just said, I'm bad at math. That's, that's your problem. Your, your problem is not how good or bad you are at math. It's, it's your perception yeah. that you're bad at math. And so when you see math, you just, you're like, I can't do that. And you don't. <laughs> try right where if if you just look at it and assume that you can figure it out i I think you can because a lot of times you don't have to sit there and run all the numbers to kind of get a feel for what you should do okay 
Because I, I mean, I can sit there and do all the math, but I usually don't because I'm lazy and it takes time and I don't want to do that. I just kind of, like I said, I just kind of simplify it and, 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 you know, you've seen times, there's been times in games I've been like, fuck it. I'm just going to attack with everything and see <laughs> yeah. what happens because it's <laughs> like, I've got 12 creatures. You've got 12 creatures. It's like too much work to figure out right. what's going to happen. <laughs> Yeah. And another thing I was thinking while I was sitting there not attacking was, well, he's going to kill this creature that is my best that I have out right now. And what if I get a spell? I could trigger his heroic, but I wasn't holding any spells in my hand. So it's like sometimes you can't, like you said, you can't be so cautious. You just have to right. do it. Yep. So that was a fun couple games. And I do want to play again, but first I'm going to go through the deck and get rid of some cards that I don't like. Like there's this Cyclops that he's kind of big, but he doesn't do anything and he's he's weak. Like he's maybe a 5-2, I think. Yeah, he was 5-2. Yeah. So I, I think I can find something better and get some more spells in there. Cool. And you're, you're going to keep your deck as it is, right? For now. Okay. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll play with it again. When, when you see. start beating me every game, then I'll I'll juice it up a little bit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then I got to play some Duels of the Planeswalkers 2013. Finally got to face Audric again. I call him Audric, but I think you pronounce it Audric. I'm not, I'm not positive. But I played his deck with the Crosswinds deck like you were recommending. It's that blue deck. The um, bird deck? Yeah, yeah. And it's I got that, that guy deck. with the bird <laughs> Uh, crown on his head yeah. like he just killed yeah, one of the creatures yeah and now i understand why you love it like it took three times but the third time i just slowed down and i paid attention to every option that i had in my hand and i know his deck so well by now right because i've been playing it over and over trying right. to beat it so i'm like okay i can surmise what's going to happen in the next few hands and just kind of plotted out what i was doing each turn and i finally beat him oh my gosh awesome. <laughs> i was so happy so i got his deck too and i haven't played with that because i've been so obsessed with the crosswinds deck like it's so much fun you're right it's Did new, you my get new favorite the, the infinite loop of the time warp with the um Oh, I can't remember the name of the cards, but there's an enchantment where every time you cast a sorcery or an instant, you mm -hmm. get it casted again the next turn, yeah. and then you get the time warp going. That's not rebound, is it? Yeah, it might be called rebound. And then okay. there's um, there's a sorcery that puts two 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 bird token creatures into play. Yes. So you cast that when you've got on your um, time warp when you've got the rebound going. And okay. And, and then you bring out your Archaeomancer, who mm -hmm. lets you bring that sorcery back into your hand, and then right. you get a rebound, and it just gets ridiculous. Did you have that happen? No, I haven't gotten that loop yet. Yeah. Whatever card that is that allows you to do that, I haven't gotten that. And I might not have opened it yet, because I've oh, only unpacked yeah. one of okay. the cards. Yeah. The card that I unpacked was Talrand Sky Summoner, and he brings out two, one, one more 2-2 two, two Drake flying creature. So, you yeah. know, he's all right, but yeah. Yeah, you have to unlock some of those cards, I think. But yeah. yeah it, that that's why I like that deck so much is it it has that really ridiculous combo that you get sometimes. It's just like it's like you can't lose if that goes off. <laughs> it sounds like a blast. I can't wait. Yeah. I might even pay to unlock it all <laughs> and just cheat, but it's a really fun deck. Um, oh, and I beat Liliana on the first try. Here I was all like, "Oh, she's going to be so difficult," and she was easy. So, cool. 
And then finally, I tried playing my goblin deck that you got me way back when. Yeah. Against this, against itself in the campaign. And <laughs> that was pretty bumpy and did not work out well. I don't recommend it. <laughs> because, like, I would get um, a card, or he would get a card, my opponent, called Reckless One, I think it is. And so then that card, the Reckless Goblin, gets whatever power and toughness is equivalent to the number of goblins on the board. But of course, I'm playing all goblins too, so then he would just be humongous and I couldn't handle him. So, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. no wise. (laughs) Anyway, so that was fun. Cool. What have you been up to? Um, Well, let's see. I already talked about our new Born of the Gods intro decks. Um, we did, I think we did some Born of the Gods Wizard's Tower a ways back. That was fun. Um, and I mentioned playing through the older decks. Yeah. And as I was doing that, I, I've really been enjoying the red-blue decks that we have. Right. Uh-huh. As I call them, the purple decks. Mm-hmm. Um, those are a lot of fun. Um, but then uh, this Born of the Gods intro deck I got was blue and black and another one of the the decks I was playing was blue and black and that's really fun too. You're usually um, not a big black player no, either. I don't black mana. Yeah, I I really don't like the art usually on the black cards. Is that why you don't play it? That's one of the reasons and oh, just okay. um I don't I'm not a big fan of graveyard mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. It's just, to me, it's just pain in the ass. There's just certain types of, of magic play that I just don't like because I find it to be a pain in the ass. Like, I, I don't like decks that generate <laughs> a bunch of tokens. Yeah. Um, I don't like decks that use a lot of graveyard mechanics. And, okay. And I don't like, like, weenie deck. I don't like having to deal with a shit ton of creatures, you know. I, I, I'd rather have, like you know, a a more manageable number of cards in play that that are powerful and effective than have, like, 20 different creatures to keep track of. Yeah. Um, But but I'd really like that blue and black deck. So I I like black paired with blue in a very, you know, control deck. Okay. Um, But what I'm really excited for is we opened a Kiora last night in one of our booster packs... And I have been wanting to put together a Theros slash Born of the Gods uh, turquoise deck, a blue-green mm-hmm. deck. And um, Kiora is definitely going to be part of that deck. I'm, I'm actually, I'd, I'd love to put together a deck with uh, Kiora and Thassa and Nylea, if I ever get a Nylea. Um, yep. And I think, I'm thinking, I, at first I was considering making it an actual commander deck. But I don't think I'm going to go that route. But I do. Th- I am thinking about making it a singleton deck because I think that would be really fun. What's a singleton deck? Um, well, my understanding—I could be wrong—but my understanding is that a singleton deck is like a commander deck where you only have one of any particular card, oh, okay. other than like basic lands in mm-hmm. the deck. Mm-hmm. So I would only have one Thassa and one Nylea and one Kiora. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't know. I might do something a little more, uh, convoluted where like, uh, if a card is rare or mythic rare, I only have one. Okay. But if it's common, I can have, or I mean uncommon, I can have two. And if it's common, I can have three. Oh, okay. Kind of thing, which mm-hmm. I don't know if that's even a thing, but that's how I was thinking of putting together the deck because, 
the, the, the idea I'm, I'm going for is I want to have a lot of variety and a lot of variance from game to game. So every time I play the deck, it's hopefully a little different to, mm-hmm. to maximize the time I can play that deck before I'm bored with it. Um, <laughs> but I want to be able to have multiples of some of the cards that are important to the deck and not super powerful. Like, um, oh crap, what's it called now? It's from Theros. There's a, a blue green, uh, flying creature. God damn it. Now I can't remember what it's called. Um, but anyway, everybody listening probably knows exactly what card ta- I'm talking about. At their yeah, it's uh, <laughs> a blue green flying creature. And mm-hmm. every time you draw a card, you get a life. Oh, okay. And so I'm going to have that in my deck. And I'd love to, you know, have two or three of those just That'd so that cool. I get one out every game. But, but okay. I don't know. I don't, I'll figure it out. But so I'm excited to get that get that get that going. And now that yeah. I have Kiora, who's going to be kind of the poster child of the deck, mm-hmm. yeah, that'll be awesome. It'll be cool. Where there is no way, the seeker will find a path. Lesson number four. You said the last one was number four. Number five, then. Are you making these up? It is time for my favorite segment. We can talk about what we're drinking. I am currently drinking um, a beer called Ten Below. It's an ale, and it's by Scuttlebutt Brewing Company, and they are in Everett, Washington. It's pretty good, but it's definitely not like stellar off the charts. Have to buy this every time I see it. Does it taste like dirty sock? No, no, good. no. Do you want to try it? Sure, why not? You can have a sip and then let us know what you think. <laughs> <laughs> Not my cup of tea. Uh, okay, could tell by the face. <laughs> is is it just me or is it a little smoky? Mm-hmm. Maybe faintly, but that's not very strong to me. It, it reminds me um, slightly of that. What's the smoke beer that you get? The German. Good question. I don't know the name of it. I just know it by smoke beer. <laughs> yeah, and it's really good. Maybe I can get that for our next episode. Yeah. But this one's not bad. It is kind of strong at 7.4%. Wow. So I have to slow down if I'm going to make it to the wrap-up. Yeah, really. (laughs) Or make it through the wrap-up, I should say. (laughs) What are you drinking, Lex? All right. Well, um, it's kind of hard for me to evaluate this beer today because this beer tastes better than it normally would probably because this is the first beer I've had in, what, three or four or five days? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, because I've been on medication and I haven't been able to drink alcohol at all. And I don't want to sound like an alcoholic, but I do usually have one or two beers every day. Like, Hmm. like I, you know, that's something I look forward to. I get home from work and I unwind and, and enjoy a beer. And, uh, um, it's amazing how you don't really realize, or you don't really want something until you can't have it. And then yeah. suddenly, like, that's all you think about. Um, <laughs> so today I did not take my medication because I wanted to be able to talk about a beer on the podcast. Okay. So I am having a, th- this is, <laughs> this is funny. This is probably not a beer I would normally talk about on the show just because it seems so mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've never had it before. Right. So I'm having a Newcastle brown ale. Okay. So you, you, the listener, may have had this before because this is a pretty mainstream beer. I, I remember people drinking this even before I drank beer. Like I knew people that loved their Newcastle. Mm-hmm. And this is a brown ale from England. 
and um, 4.7% alcohol. And uh, I really like it. It's pretty good. Good. Um, definitely tastes like there's some Saz hops really? in there. Oh, yeah, wow. it actually kind of reminds me a little bit, and I'm, I'm going to get hate mail about this probably, but it reminds <laughs> me a little bit of like a, like a Heineken or a Pilsner or Kell because it has that that Saz taste to it. But it, but it's a brown ale. Have you? Yeah, had it? and you very different it? color. I had it, but this was years ago. Yeah, try it. So I don't really remember how it tastes. It's, it's very good. It's very good. I like it. Okay, I can smell the hops that you were yeah. speaking of. Yeah, it doesn't taste bad at all. It's a little sweet. It's sweeter than my beer. Yeah. So yeah, pretty good. And uh, I'd say this is a is a pretty good gateway beer. Yeah. You know, it's not a. Uh, you know, some of the beers we drink are are either really hoppy or or really strong alcohol wise or or very malty. This is a very well balanced kind of middle of the road beer. So okay. so if you're someone who's only drank like the mass produced American Panther piss as as your <laughs> dad used to call it, yeah, um, this might be a good one to try to branch out to and. And see how you like it. Okay. But yeah, this, uh, let's see, I was just reading this before the show. Um, these guys have been around for a while. I think it was 19, now I can't find it. I think it was like 1927. Okay. Um, yeah, 1927. So not, I mean, compared to some of the German and Belgian right. beers I, I drink, not that long, yeah. but compared to a lot of the American beers, this has been along around for a while. So yeah. Excellent. There we go. There aren't any easy answers. Magic isn't good or bad. It's complicated. That's lesson number six. You are making these up, aren't you? We have arrived at the magical artistry segment. And this time around, we are talking about Therese Nielsen. And there's no doubt you've probably seen her work, maybe even taken a second glance because her work is usually very detailed. Um, it has a lot of different elements to it. She is a fantasy artist, and I will only touch on this because we're big fans here, but she does Star Wars art, um, or she has in the past. She did a little line of them, and it's really beautiful stuff. And she began working for Wizards in 1996, She's known for her, quote, extreme alterations to cards. So if you give her a card to sign, you can request this. Um, I don't know if you can do this in person or just online, but she will do these alterations where she actually paints over the picture that's there. And, you know, often it's her picture, but she'll do a whole new mini painting on the card for you. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I think that's kind of neat because here's a, a precious little little tiny piece of artwork that you can yeah. keep. <laughs> That'd be a great thing to do with all the magic cards with crappy art that you have. You just <laughs> Ask send them Therese to, her. to redo them. <laughs> Say, hey, put, can you paint something that doesn't suck over this art? That'd Aww. be great. I'm not going to mention any art that I think sucks. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I will only say positive things. All right. That sounds good. <laughs> She's done a total of 177 individual pieces for Magic the Gathering. Holy shit. Yeah, and that includes the unreleased stuff. So there may have been some pieces that they uh, commissioned from her, but they, they never got put in onto a card. Or not yet. Maybe yes. from like Huey, Dewey, and Louie or something. 
Yeah, maybe. Is that the next set? I don't, it's one of the next ones. I one don't know if it's names. the very next one. Okay. I love um, all the code names they come up with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she's done some pieces such as Call to Mind, which it's really interesting because it has this picture of um, a male individual and he's surrounded by these puzzle pieces and it feels it's very directly saying, you know, he's piecing together this huge puzzle and trying to to come up with the answer. And okay. a lot of her pieces are like that. They have these little things going on around the main character. Cool. Um, yeah. And so in a way, it's not, it's not, you know, realism as you think of it, like a, a person in a real environment, you know, there's other things floating and flashing and shining. And so I kind of like that about her work because she really tries to look at the card's title and the meaning because I discovered from her blog that she is given uh, a summary of what's on the card. Cause I think we were talking about that. We we're like, how do these artists know what to draw? Well, right. Wizards tells them, okay, this is what the card's about. This is what it does. This is um, the summary on the card. And uh, I guess they will oftentimes tell the artist, this is what we want you to do. We want you to do a human male, and we want you to have him in this kind of environment and include this aspect in the artwork. So it's pretty, it seems to me, pretty dictated. But okay. to her from reading her blog, she doesn't feel constrained is the the feeling I got. She feels like she can just take that. And sometimes it's a big project and she can kind of work with, she can definitely work with that and she enjoys it. So her blog's a pleasure to read. If you ever get a chance, I I was going to ask you about that. If she feels constrained. Yeah. (laughs) It's going to whip out my Shauna Germain quote. Oh, what's that? Excuse me. Well, I'm on my other podcast. I do (laughs) the other podcast for, um, for the Numenera role-playing game, I, I talked to Shauna Germain, who is the lead editor for Numenera, but she also writes um, short stories and and novels that are not, you know, don't have anything to do with, with that game. She writes okay. um, some erotic fiction and, um, like, science fiction and all kinds of stuff. But uh, they were talking about the, the bestiary for... Um, for Numenera, and actually, this this was on another podcast. I just asked her about it when I talked to her, but okay. But she mentioned um, how, it, at least in her opinion, that if you give an artist a like kind of what you just said, said mm-hmm. draw me this, draw me this thing that looks like this or whatever, that they find that kind of constraining. But if you give a writer some crazy picture that an artist came up with mm-hmm. and say, you know, write a story based on this that the writer will just like go to town on that so that that's interesting that she doesn't feel constrained because that's what i found myself thinking when you were just saying that is like i mean i'm not an artist like that so i i don't really know like how they think but Mm -hmm. imagining myself being an artist like that and and having wizards give me all these parameters i i don't know that i would like that i think i'd rather have more creative freedom but but uh Maybe that's part of what makes her such a great artist for them is that she can, she can right. do that. 
Exactly. Yeah. And some of that I do think is a skill that the kind of thing that you have to learn. It's not just a talent that is, okay, how do I take constructive criticism? You have to learn that as you know from writing and how do I take direction and, you know, all these things in a professional environment is of course necessary. So yeah, it can make you a much more successful freelance artist for these companies. Right. But she, um, from what I got from her blog, actually, sometimes it seems like they give her this summary. Um, for instance, she did a piece called, let's see, Enter the Infinite. Okay. And this was for Gate Crash. It's a mythic rare card. Let me pull it up so you can see it, Lex. Okay. And oh, it has, cool. yeah, it has all these different elements. Again, a male face, but just his face. You don't see any other part of his body. And she has all these things going on. And I looked at her blog and she actually broke down her process for this particular piece. And it was so in depth. I didn't even get to through it all because as somebody who creates, like I approach the article very differently and I want to like absorb every piece of advice she has in there. But she actually maps it out like a designer would or somebody who drafts like buildings, you know, and she, she maps the balance of where different elements are going to be. Um, she has all different shapes playing in there. You see circles and lines and all different things. Um, and it's just, it's pretty impressive because she will take this little summary that wizards give her, gives her. And she's just like, wow, how am I going to translate enter the infinite? You know, it's all, this all takes place in the mind. That's the, the card's idea. I'm sure it's blue. And express that visually. Yeah. So she does a pretty amazing job, in my opinion. I think this card was about, like, remembering everything, every idea that ever occurred. (laughs) Which, how do you put that in a visual image? You know, it's, like, insane. So she has, like, all different stuff in there. There's a fish. There's a flower. There's some kind of, like what looks like an artifact, like a beetle artifact or something. I don't know. It's crazy. So it's really neat. Cool. But I really admire her work. And she did another one, Plea for Guidance, that we're familiar with because it was in Theros. And it has these doves that are flying in. It's a white card. Oh, that's uh, Born of the Gods. Oh, Born of the Gods. That's right. Cool. Yeah. So, and when I saw this card, I just had to stop and stare because there's all different colors going on. There's, it's obviously taking place in a city. It looks kind of Grecian behind it because there's all different columns flying or, and uh, the birds flying around. And of course, the stars, she worked that in there. So cool. And you can certainly buy her work as well on her website. She has a shop. It's shop.tnielsen.com, and her website is tnielsen.com. And if you want to look at her blog, that's so cool, it's therese.nielsen.typepad.com. We'll put that in the show notes, right? Yep, we'll link everything <clears throat> so we don't have to spell it out for you guys. Yeah. Um, oh, and she did this card, what is it called? Sidri Galvantic Genius, and you can correct me on my pronunciation, but this is in my commander deck, which is why I'm handing Lex like this huge card <laughs> to take a look at. But again, there's all different elements going on there. And I love how she translates magic. Like, how do you put magic down visually? Like someone yeah. casting a spell that's got to be difficult. And so in here, she has these like little swirls and um, little bubbles and things floating up. And it's just so neat. 
And I know I probably have Numenera on the brain, but a lot of her stuff looks like it would be great art for Numenera. Like she has this kind of neat um, blending of magic and tech in, yes. in what she does. Definitely. And especially for the blue cards, which is what they're all about, right? right. It's intellect right. and technology. Yep. So she's great for that. <laughs> Very cool. So anyway, I think that's about it. Oh, I wanted to mention that you can get signed prints of hers and, of course, read the whole story behind her art on her shop. And um, I really like the flavor text I forgot to mention for Enter the Infinite. It's don't just have an idea, have all of them. <laughs> very cool. That's very blue. Yeah, exactly. A wizard is never late. Frodo Baggins. Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. Well, Lex, it's about that time to wrap it up. You can always check out our RSS feed, our show notes, where we'll link everything about the artists we talked about today and other helpful links, starwalkerstudios.com slash planeswalkers of Nyx. And feel free to email us at lexstarwalker at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at Nikki Starwalker. And I'm at Lex Starwalker. Thank you again for listening to Planeswalkers of Nyx. I'm Nikki Starwalker. And I'm Lex Starwalker. And whether you're walking on Nyx or some other plane, may your magic always be colorful. This has been a Starwalker Studios production, your source for quality science fiction and fantasy podcasts. This episode's music provided by Stanko. Cloudwalker, Ish, Renfield, and Transboy. Please see the show notes for more details at starwalkerstudios.com. I'm awesome!